Hey friends, we're so glad that you've chosen to tune into this podcast from Revival Fires today. We pray that this message brings you closer to Jesus. We'd love to host you at our regular Sunday morning meetings, 10.30 a.m. in Dudley. Also check out our website for our upcoming events. We look forward to welcoming you to our next event. All right, here we go. Here is the message. So I want you to turn with me. We're going to kick off into John chapter 4. We're going to read together through a story of Jesus and a lady called the Samaritan woman. So John chapter 4, let's read from verse 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, Jesus left Judea and went again to Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. I want you to say pass through. Pass through. There is a river that is passing through. There are obstacles that we have to pass through. And Jesus had to pass through. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus being wearied from the journey, was sitting by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. I just love how when you read the Gospels about Jesus, you see both the humanity and the deity of God. Here is Jesus, and he was wearied from his journey, and he sat down by the well. He was fully man. I want you to know, if we come to even talk about passing through, Jesus is able to fully identify the things that you are going through in your life because he lived it. He lived it here. He didn't just live any life. He lived the poorest life. He was a poor man walking and he lived this life so he can identify with us. It was a six hour. He was weary. And there came, verse seven, there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Jesus said, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. But that water will give him a well of water springing up to eternal life. This woman said to her, Sir, give me this water so I may not be thirsty, nor have to come all this way here to drink or draw the water. And he said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have answered correctly. You have no husband now, but you have had five husbands, and the one who you have now is not your husband. You have said this truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. I love, I love this conversation. Can you, can you 
place yourself in the middle of there. It goes from Jesus asking questions. Why is God asking questions? We'll get to that bit because God wants to engage with you. He wants to draw things out of you. And he offers something great, living water. Oh, Lord, I want living water. And then he has to go deeper. He has to go and to confront sin in this woman's life. And what does she do? Like so many of us, she changes the subject. Are you ready for a subject change right now? Living water, you know, great. We'll get to this a bit later. But now she's about to change the subject. You've answered correctly. You don't have a husband. You've had five. You're now on man number six. I love the Bible. Do you read the Bible like this? I'm not, I'm not smiling in condemnation. I'm smiling in joy that God is so welcoming. God knows the issues that we go through. God knows the things that we've got ourselves caught in sometimes. And here's Jesus. He doesn't get off the well and like, I'm going to go find my disciples. How many of us Christians would be like that sometimes? I want you to know God is not embarrassed of you. God is not nervous of you. God doesn't want to run away from you. He is sitting at the well wanting to engage with you. Don't change the subject. As he's got his finger on your heart, he's talking to you. He's going to be doing that this morning because one of the things I really feel God's going to teach us today is how to drink. And there's some barriers that we have in our lives. There's some barriers, and Jesus is going to be removing those barriers. Don't, don't change the subject. So here she comes. She changes the subject. Uh, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Salty. <laughs> Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and your people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. She thought, I'm going to just change the subject. Let me throw out this really difficult question. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do. What you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called the Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. At this point, his disciples came and they were amazed that he had been speaking with this woman. But no one said, what do you seek or why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot. Take note of that. She left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me, the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? They went out of the city and they were coming to Jesus. And meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, saying, Rabbi, eat. He's just walked all day from Galilee all the way up to Samaria. It's, a, it's the six hours, probably lunchtime, the heat of the day. They're urging Jesus to eat. And he said to them, I have, no, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Once again, this confused the disciples. They were saying to each other, no one brought him anything to eat, did they? These disciples. Again, I love the Bible. They were clueless sometimes, just like us. <laughs> Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say that there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up the eyes and look upon the fields, for they are white until harvest. It's harvest time. Thank you, Jesus. Now, there's a couple of points I just want to briefly pull out from this passage. 
And the first thing is we said it ourselves, we said pass through. Jesus experienced times in his life where he had to pass through difficult moments. Did you hear what I read at the start? There was competition, there was comparison, and there was conflict. Jesus was winning more disciples than John the Baptist, and the Pharisees were becoming jealous. John the Baptist himself was even a bit confused as to what was going on. And this caused Jesus, instead of staying in a place of conflict, instead of playing in a place of competition, and comparison, he decided to leave. He knew what was better. But there are times in our lives where these three things can constrict us. Just think about it. What are the things that you're going through? Times of constriction in our lives. Could it be competition? Could there be comparison? Could there be conflict? What about this woman as well at the well? The reason she would go by herself to draw water from the well is because she was an outcast in her society. Because of her lifestyle, we don't know what happened with the five husbands and now six, man number six. We don't know what was going on. And so often we can just think, well, what's wrong with her? Who knows who her parents were? Who knows what situation she was going through? Who knows how destitute she was? But here she was through all of the constrictions in her life and the river of God through Jesus Christ found a way to pass through. Whatever it is that you're going through your life, this is what the river does. It finds a way to pass through. Have you seen the beautiful canyons when you watch maybe National Geographic TV shows or maybe when, you, when you've actually been to beautiful rivers? Have you seen the canyons that rivers carve? There is nothing that can stop the flow of the river. There is no conflict. There is no hardship. There is nothing that stops the river cutting through and finding a way to pour its life, to pour its water, to pour its goodness out. And that's the same thing. There is nothing that's going to constrict you because God's river is never restricted. There's times in our lives where we might feel constricted, but when we have the river flowing, it's never restricted in our lives. Jesus is passing through your life. He wants to do this. I'm just going to read this one verse. It's the most amazing psalm, Psalm 84. David's talking about how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord God Almighty. He probably sung the song, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. But he writes here in verse 6, Passing through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The early rain also covers it with blessings. They go from strength to strength, strength to strength. Every one of them appears before the Lord. That's what the river does. When we're in places of constriction, God wants to flow his river in and it turns it into a spring. I want you to even think about your life right now. Are there any valley areas? Are there any dry moments? Are there any tired and weary things that you're going through? Because I've got good, a good word for you this morning. The river of God wants to pass through it. The river of God wants to turn it into a spring. The river of God wants to turn it into a fertile, fruitful place. That's what he's going to do. The river of God, it crosses all boundaries. You know, Samaria, let me just talk briefly about this very interesting place. It was part of Israel. It was part of God's whole inheritance, God's promise for the land. It was where 10 of the tribes would live. So Judah and Benjamin would lived in Jerusalem and the other 10 had separated because of a very 
unfortunate event that happened with the, the third king of Israel. We had King Saul, then we had King David, then we had King Solomon, sorry, the fourth king, Solomon's son. Solomon's son took some very bad advice that caused the whole kingdom to divide. And they became the ten tribes of the north. What they did when they divided is they set up their own religious practices. They turned them away from God. And God sent prophets to them many, many times. Return, return. Then what happened is they went into exile in a land from the north called the Assyrians. They came down. I know it's a little bit of history, but here's the point. They came down and they inhabited them. This was why there was this divide between the Jews, between uh, who Jesus was and the Samaritans. That's why they never spoke to them. There was a racial divide. There was a social divide. There was a cultural divide. There was a political divide. And then he, not only was she a Samaritan, she was a woman. There was a gender divide. There was so, she had an alternative lifestyle. There was another divide. There were so many points of division. But the river always finds a way to pass through. Nothing. The disciples wouldn't even sit by the well. They went straight to, the, to buy the food. They went to Greg's down the road. I need a sausage roll. When they came back, they didn't even say anything to the Samaritan woman. Why? Because it wasn't even allowed. It was culturally unacceptable to speak. But the river finds a way. Well, I don't know what divisions we might be experiencing in, in our lives. There, there's people who haven't even yet experienced given their life to Jesus. That's a division. God wants to unite you with life this morning. There's people who, who have walked with the Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit is taking you through this week, and I want to I make this point because, we, like I said, we had the most amazing conference. But what can happen is off the, the, the refreshing and the, almost the high mountaintop experience of what God does at the conference. And then we're faced with everyday life. You can come to church for a weekend and man, everyone's so friendly and they should be. And then you forget when you go and talk to your boss. Like, oh man, he's a bit prickly or she's a bit prickly. And, and we, we're confronted then with everyday life. And God in the confrontation is putting his finger on areas of our hearts. And that can, can actually feel like you've gone from a mountaintop to everything that goes on. And it can feel like, man, but I'm still so cracked. I'm still facing areas of division in my life. I'm still facing so many parts, Lord, that you need to move. And instead of saying this, you see, the enemy would want us to say this. But God, what's wrong? Why, why does it have to be difficult? God, wants, God is actually showing it to you to say, God, pour your river here. That's the place I need the river. Have any of you felt like that? Man, the conference was amazing. And then back into everyday life. I got one hand. There's one honest person in church this morning. Oh, here they come. There you go. That's okay, friends. What should our answer be? Lord, this is the place I need your river to flow. And the river knows no boundaries. The river knows no barriers. The river knows no racial differences. The river comes and he cuts through everything that would get in the way. Jesus passed through. Just say that. Say, Jesus passed through my life today. Jesus, come and move in my life judgments. Um, what about this? I've said racial boundaries, political boundaries, religious boundaries, social boundaries, cultural boundaries, sin boundaries, shame boundaries. This woman, she was drawing water by herself in the heat of the day because she was too ashamed and she was outcast. She couldn't do it when all the other women would go and draw water for their families, for their households or for their livestock. She had to go at that point. 
And Jesus was waiting at the well because there was living water to pass through her life. Jesus is waiting this morning because there's living water to pass through your life. You see, the enemy wants to do this. The enemy wants to use all these divisions to create dams on the river to stop the flow. But what God wants to do is he wants to put deep pools in our lives. That as the river flows, we always know what it is to be refreshed. Let me put it this way. Dams, dams feel like a really, really good idea when there's very poor flow in a river. You know that we come from Zimbabwe. You know that we're going there. We're so looking forward to it. I had a call from Donnie, the pastor there. He said, Ryan, okay, <laughs> they've had the most rain in 11 years. The rivers are flowing. It's amazing. The only downside is they, they have rented this massive old church because they were a growing church and they needed more space and it has a steeple. And with all the rains, the most rains in 11 years, they've had a lot of lightning. A lightning bolt struck the steeple. <laughs> so much electricity and energy was released. It burst up the concrete. It blew every socket in the plug. Their PA system went. The microphone went. The generator went. The inverter went. They've had no electricity for eight days. So I'm praying, Lord, I hope my family likes Zimbabwe. <laughs> So it is a mission trip, friends. But I had news just two days ago. They got the power back. <laughs> they got the power back. But there is energy coming into that nation. The Holy Spirit is moving. But here's what I'm saying. When the river flows like it's flowing at the moment, we have amazing full rivers. But because the river flow is so bad, so much drought, so much dryness, they put dams on the river. Everywhere there's a dam. And you see, why do we build a dam when we can't trust the flow to save water? Why do we build a dam in our own life sometimes? Because we want to be self-reliant. Sometimes we think, I'm going to just put a dam on this. I'm just going to get all the water I can because I don't know how to keep in the flow. If you want a title of this morning, it's Find Your Flow. Find your flow of the Holy Spirit. There is living water that wants to flow. And what we can do because we want to become self-reliant or we want to become self-dependent or sometimes because we just are afraid. Will this stream of water dry up for me? Is this experience with God as good as it gets? What do I, I need to hold on to everything and we become constrictive instead of freely giving. We, we allow either us to put dams up in our lives now, I'm talking figuratively, but you guys can, can follow me, can't you? This is the point where you nod your head. Yeah, you can, you're following me? Great. Or you can say, yeah, I like that. That's even better. Or the enemy puts dams up in our lives. The enemy puts things that would come and stop the flow. And sometimes we don't even realize it. But what God wants to do, he wants to put deep pools in our lives. I talked about the... Mountaintop experience of this week, and now we feel like, but Brian, I'm back down in the valley. But God, I'm back down in the valley. God is saying, allow my river to pass through. I want to cut deep channels, and you need to trust the flow. I have got a flow for you that will never run dry. There is a river that will never run dry. There is a flow of Holy Spirit life accessible to me because I need it. Accessible to you because you need it every morning when you wake up. There is a river. And I want to read to you something because, yeah, so we create dams because of competition, because of comparison, because of conflict. We, we are afraid that the flow will stop. We're afraid that there won't be enough. We move in self-sufficiency or self-reliance. 
The enemy also uses sin, shame, and condemnation to stop the flow. And there was a point in my life, it was a couple years ago, the 7th of June. I'm going to read you an entry from my journal. Because I want you to know how real the river is. I want you to know that you can go to God and He can fix your flow. He can connect you to that. And I'm not standing up here as someone who's always had everything right or someone who's just somehow (laughs) walking on air and God's always so good to me. The reason I can say this to you with authority and with truth is because I've been through moments in my life where I've been in the valley. I've been through moments in my life where I felt that that, um, division. I felt like... I've been unsure of what God's called me to. I've been unsure of the decisions I've made in the past and if I'm in the right place for my future. And I was at that point a couple years ago and I needed to get some time out with God. And God took me down to a river and I sat down by this river and I, I poured my heart out to the Lord. I, I, yeah, I cried. I sometimes love those tears, don't you? When God fills your life with tears... And something is just released. And I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. I, sometimes I, you know, I just don't know how to explain to God. But you know how I'm feeling. You know that I'm uncertain. You know what I'm going through. You know that unless you break into my life now, I don't know what my future is going to look like. And I need you, God. And I was watching this river flow and observing how it had cut its way through the soil to find the rock. And God spoke to me. And these are, this is the... This is the journal from that time. Let me read it to you because I wanted to bless you, okay? But I believe that God is going to use this even to speak to us today. Lord, this is me asking my question. Lord, what is your vision for my life? I feel at the end of my plan without direction or clue as to what I should be doing. But I'm believing that this is an okay place to be if I finally surrender from my striving and ask you, what is your vision for my life? And then this, here came the reply. I normally put God's reply with little speech marks. There's people who journal here. I know that you do. You have, you have your own way, don't you? I find that any time I've asked God a question, and those of you who've done engaged, those of you who've been around for a long time, this is straight out of the Bible. Read the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk says that he writes his complaints down to the Lord. And he says, I will stand on my watch. I will look to see to hear what he will say to me. And I will write down the answer. God has rivers of truth, of words of love to speak to you. Write down the answer because you can capture something. This is how you find your flow. You can capture it. And I find that often when God starts talking to me, he starts with this word, come. And he said, come to me. I have good plans for you. You can trust in them. Above man's plans for you are my plans. I can lead and I can turn and I am able to divert the course of your life. Like the bedrock that diverts the course of a river, you have reached the bottom. Now allow my rock to determine your flow. I will lead you. I did not create a river to stagnate but to flow and bring life to all it flows to. Allow me to break the damn walls of fear and get your flow back. You are no longer stuck. Yes, you can praise. You can join me in saying thank you to God. I'm not going to read all my book, I promise. Okay. Well, let me just show you. I had then pages and pages and pages of God just started to download, not at the same day. It was over, over a couple of weeks. 
um, revelation about who the church is, revelation about what leadership is, revelation about how to, how to structure it. And I'm just writing it. And as I read this, just this week, I felt God said I should share that with you. And I'm looking through it. And I, you know, I'm just so grateful to God. He said that, that he will fix my flow. And then he goes and talks to me all about koinonia, fellowship, church and the kingdom. The church is a, sweet, a key holder. Uh, conferences and churches, church's purpose, church leadership, church kingdom. I, I never realized then, Anna, I'm looking at my wife, but God said, I'm going to fix your flow. And as he continued to talk to me, he was actually telling me everything that my life was going to be fruitful in right now. And what a joy it is for us to be here and to do church together. Yeah. This, is what, this is what it's about. God wants to fix your flow. But did you hear that? He will break down dams of fear and get the flow back. And that's just what Jesus does. Here he is in the story. Here he was with me. I'm sitting down by a river and he is the river of life to me. And here he is in this story with the Samaritan woman and she wants to get to the well. But the well in the physical realm is being sat on by Jesus. And he says to her, there's a, a well of water within me. Jesus comes and sits on the well. He's a well sitting on the well. And he's, what he's saying to her is, I want you to stop drinking from the things in the physical realm. I want you to stop drinking from the inferior pleasures. I want you to stop drinking from inferior founts that won't satisfy you. And I'm here instead to open up to you a superior flow, a river of living water. And how then, how do we drink? Lord, how do we start to drink? And Jesus does this. He creates a way for us to drink. He shows us this. And there's three things in one question. He says, do you know the giver? Do you know the gift? Will you ask for it? It's that simple. Do you know the giver? Who is the giver of this water? It's the Lord Jesus Christ who went to a cross. And on the cross with his blood, he purchased. Remember, even in John, it says that they stuck a sword in his side and outflowed water and blood. Now the living water from heaven can flow down upon our lives. This is the giver. It's God Almighty. He is so good. And this is the, the love that we almost use to put the bucket down into this well and we draw from it. We have to know who God is. Do you know the gift? I want to tell you about the gift. The gift of God is so good. The gift of the Holy Spirit is so good. And if you know those two things, you have to ask. Ask for it. Lord, would you fill me? It's so simple, but sometimes we get so, so caught up in, in the intricacies and, and the ideas of it. But God is a good God. He wants to give you good gifts. Ask for them. I want to talk a little bit about the gift. Tony, come on up. We had life group this week, and Tony was just sharing this testimony of how the river of God moved in his life. And I, I thought it was so good to hear, and I want him to share. Come on, give him a hand. Feeling fresh today, bruv. Uh, he, he, he allows me to call him bruv. Oh. His text message is all easy, bruv. There you go. Yeah. Um, so, conference. Um, just a bit of a backstory. Um, one of the churches I used to attend, um, there, was a, there was a move of the Spirit. So I was really, I'm used to seeing the move of the Spirit, especially over conference. I'm used to seeing that. Um, and my heart's desire has always been, Lord, fill me. I've always wanted that. So in my last church, I would see a lot of the 
God moving in people's lives, but there was just this disconnect with me and I couldn't actually engage, if that's the right word, with, with what God was doing. So coming into conference on the Friday, I could see again and sense that God was moving and I could see that and I thought, God, I really need to be filled. I really need a refreshing. But again, there was this disengagement. I just couldn't connect on the Friday. So I was like, okay, maybe this is just not for me. This is not the way you want to do it in my life. So I went away Friday um, and came back on the Saturday. But God kind of like just highlighted something to me. And he highlighted that there was a disappointment in my heart. Um, a disappointment from previous um, previous pasts of wanting to get filled with the Spirit and, and it not happening. Yeah. So he highlighted that to me on the Friday. So I came back on the Saturday um, and we did conf- we was doing conference and I'm obviously behind the sound desk. And on the last session, um, I'm standing behind the sound desk, minding my own business, as you do. Um, and I'm standing there, worship's going on, and I, I got my jacket on and I'm thinking, it's getting hot in here, you know. So, so I t- take my jacket off and I'm thinking, it's getting hot. And I look over to my right and I could see my wife and she's just gone. It's like she's just in the spirit. God's just doing something with her. And I'm thinking, praise God, thank you, Lord. You know, but I got my jacket off and I, then I, I'm thinking it's still hot. And then I could just feel these waves of heat just flowing over him and I'm like what is going on here is this you Lord (laughs) and I could just feel waves and waves and waves and God was just refreshing and filling me Uh, a couple of days later I went to work um, and God just did some amazing things with me in that space and there was just such a difference in my spirit from the Saturday over the weekend into work I could just feel such a change and just the temperature in terms of where I am just what God's doing, the clarity of, you know, God's revelation. And just again, what you're talking about in terms of the dry places, God highlights them. They do come to the surface even more so because since Saturday, I'm like, God, what is this broke? Where's this brokenness come from? I want to be high. I want to be, woo. And God's like, no, we need to continue to deal with that. So, um, yeah, I've been blessed from conference and uh, God continues to do what he's doing. Yes. Did you hear that? The disappointments, those dams of the enemy wants to try and put in there to stop the flow. And it's so sovereign when God does it. He wants to touch you. He wants to flow. And I want us to be a church who knows how to drink. And how do we drink? We know the giver. We know the gift. And we ask for it. So even now, Lord, even as I've continue to speak. Would you just pour your river upon us, God? As for Tony, if there's any areas that need to get shifted out the way for your river to flow, for your spirit to flow, God, I see dams coming down in this place. I see dams of disappointment. There's people who have just felt so hungry and at the end of themselves, and it's as if you, you feel sometimes that you are the one to blame. But I know that, Lord, I can't get this thing passed in my life. Here's the thing. God doesn't say, come to him when you're perfect. He says, do you know the giver? Not do you know you. I want you to know the giver wants to break through those dams. Come to him. Do you know the gift? That gift, 
Like Tony said, that's his testimony. That gift, like I've said, my testimony, it's a good gift. It opens up the future. It fills you with refreshing. It fills you with life. Then just ask. Just ask. Just Let's all say, come Lord Jesus. Rivers of living water spring up. I want to just talk about four R's that happen when the river flows in our lives. And the first one is this, relationship. In verse 16 of the passage that we've read, like I said, I've always found it so strange. Jesus talking about a river, and then all of a sudden we're talking about husbands. What, what's going on? Why husbands? God wanted to convict sin to remove the obstacle, but it's so much more than that. What the river does is it connects us with Jesus. And there's actually a bridal narrative in this story. The, the Samaritan woman had five husbands, and there was number six. And here's Jesus, the seventh, coming and saying, you are called to be the bride of Christ. When you connect with me, you will know what these living waters are. And when you connect with me, that's when these living waters come out. See, the river of God, what, what does it do? We're talking about knowing the giver, knowing the gift. That's what the gift does, the river. Here's what the living water does. It aligns you with relationship with Jesus. It sets you up in the right place to draw life from him. It says that we won't be satisfied anymore with drinking from these streams that we go to in the world. The only river that will satisfy me is Jesus Christ. And Lord, we come to you and we drink. You see, the reason he also asked about the husband is he wanted to cut away at the banks of the river to get to the bedrock. And when God got to the bedrock then the river could be directed. And sometimes that's painful in our lives. But allow God to get to the bedrock. He wants to align us with relationship. And then he goes on to talk about mountains and worship. Again, why? This is actually one of the most central passages in the New Testament on worship. And here's why. Because the river of God empowers your worship. The more of the Holy Spirit life you have flowing in, the more you worship. Sometimes you can come into a church like this and we are present-centered. We want everything to be about the presence of God. We say that worship is the fountain from which everything flows. And we can sit and we can think, oh, this feels unusual. There's some really happy people in this room. There's some really free people in this room. Why? Because the river of God is flowing here. And I want you to get more of the river in your life. And one of the ways that you can litmus test it, almost know the feeling of how much he's flowing, is how much we overflow in worship. The river of God will lead us into small worship. It transports us into a new realm, the realm of the Spirit. So, Father God, would you pour out that relationship upon us? The second thing it does is it refreshes us. The river of God refreshes us. Did you notice how this woman went to the well? She was thirsty. She had to draw water. She has a five-minute conversation with Jesus. She drops the bucket with no water. And runs back to the city. She had discovered a well of living water within her that had quenched her thirst, that had refreshed her, that, is, that had satisfied her. Even more so, the disciples come to Jesus, who was also weary, thirsty and hungry. They were in Greg's getting food, remember? And Jesus says, I have food that you know not of. The Savior meets the sinner and he satisfies the sinner. And the Savior himself is satisfied by the communion that we have with him. What a beautiful picture. The river of God will refresh you. But here's the thing. This refreshment isn't just here and now. This refreshment is eternal life. The river of God will connect you with life eternal. 
It's life eternal, but it's also the access to eternal life right here and right now. It's not something we have to wait for until we die that we'd be led into the realm of heaven with God. It's the living water for every day right now, for the valleys that you're going through. Lord Jesus, we need that water. We need that refreshing. Um, I want to read you uh, from John chapter 7. You don't have to turn there. Just let me read this to you. This is Jesus just a few chapters later. And he says this, on the last day of the great feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood up and he cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. You know, that last day of the feast, you can't make this up, friends. You know what the scriptures that they would read on the last day of the feast would be? It would be Ezekiel chapter 47. What's that? That's the river flowing out of the throne of God. And it would be Zechariah chapter 14, which says in verse 8, On that day, living water will flow from Jerusalem. Jesus was saying, now the living water is here. We have access to the living water right here, right now. Yes, when you give your life to Jesus, you are saved for eternity. You are born again, but you've got access to living water every day of your life. Lord, we need that refreshing. Do you need refreshing? Who needs refreshing this morning? Jesus, refresh us. The third one is this. It reveals Jesus. The river's flow reveals Jesus. Jesus goes through this talking about living water. The Samaritan woman is, is, is impressed by this. And then she, she says this word in verse 26. Says these words about himself. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. In the actual, the Aramaic, it would be better to say, I am the I am who speaks to you. You see, Jesus is the I am. Everything that we need, everything, he's God himself. And the more the river flows, the more it reveals Jesus. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, that it would reveal Jesus. And it brings us closer to the Savior. Lord, would you do that? And here's the fourth, the fourth R. There's probably more, but in this passage is four R's. Just to make it really easy. Relationship, refreshing, revealing Jesus. And here it is, revival. That's what the river does. It brings us to revival. This Samaritan woman, she is the first recorded mass evangelist in the Bible. She goes for a drink of water, forgets her water pot, ends up going to the city, calling the whole city, saying, come and see the man. Come and see Jesus who told me everything I've ever done. And have you noticed how that was not a place of condemnation? He told her everything she'd ever done, all of her sin, the five husbands, number six man, but she didn't feel condemned by it. She had been convicted, believed in the Messiah, and the Spirit of God was flowing through her, and she was the revivalist. The river of God is in you to refresh you, and it wants to flow through you for the sake of people around you. Revival is this, when sinners drink of their Savior and become transformed by streams of the Spirit. I want to say that again. That's what revival is, when sinners drink of their Savior, and they become transformed by streams of the Spirit. I believe that God wants us to fix our flow. He wants us to find our flow. Jesus asked this lady three questions. Do you know the giver? Do you know the gift? Will you ask? What questions is Jesus asking you this morning? I think some of the questions he's saying is, do you want to get rid of that dam in your life? 
Is there, is there an area that you, you've yet to submit to him? Is there an area that you're yet to say, God, I want to remove that blockage? And I believe that there's some people here this morning, and that's what Jesus is saying to you. He's putting his finger on your heart. And he's not doing it in a condemning way, but he's coming with all of his love. He's coming with all of his conviction. And he's put his finger on your heart, and he's saying, my child, this can shift today. This can move today. There is living water here today. And this Samaritan woman, she drew such truth out of Jesus that Pharisees didn't. She drew such truth out of Jesus that the disciples didn't. She drew such truth out of Jesus that other people couldn't because she was thirsty. And I believe God wants to put a thirst in our lives this morning where we say, Lord, nothing else matters. Inferior streams of water, they don't matter anymore. All I want is to drink from you. Lord, I want to come and have my fountain spring up in you. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you are Yeah, like a stream, Lord. Flowing in this place, God. Mm. Come flood, Lord Jesus. Yes, God. Thanks for listening. Stay connected, be resourced and equipped by subscribing to our YouTube channel our podcast channel and following us on social media at Revival Fires on Instagram and Facebook. If you've been impacted by this ministry, why don't you consider investing and sowing a gift? Visit our website for details on how to give.